If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDVE Pittsburgh, presented by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here are your hosts, Mike Brzezuda, Matt Williamson, and Merrill Hodge. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview. I'm Mike Brzezuda along with Matt Williamson. We'll be with you tonight until 8 o'clock here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5. DVE Merrill Hodge will be joining us as always for our middle segment. We kind of work this like a hockey game. There's a first period, <laughs> a second period, and a third period. But Bring we are yeah. we are talking football and uh, Steelers football and specifically uh, the upcoming game with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. But Matt, before we get there, a lot to unpack from the opener in oh, yeah. Cincinnati and. Uh, a lot of heroic performances, some stuff that uh, I found really encouraging. If you're projecting what kind of team the 2022 Steelers uh, have a chance to become, but uh, a lot of people out there, and I, I admittedly I am uh, in this camp, uh, in and out. Mm-hmm. They won the game because Cincinnati didn't challenge an obvious touchdown, because Cincinnati had an extra point that should have won the game blocked, and because Cincinnati missed a field goal in overtime, and the last two things were directly attributable <laughs> right. to the long snapper getting hurt. <laughs> that doesn't happen all that often. And, oh, by the way, they had five, uh, seven, turno- seven sacks and five turnovers, which you probably can't count on every week, although I think this is a defense that will sack the quarterback and will turn the other team over. So I start with this. Yeah. Is the glass half full or half empty at yeah, one and Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, I know, by the way, you lost T.J. Watt in that game going forward. Oh, you by know, the way. By the way, defensive player of the year. Um, I absolutely thought a big trend across the league, and it showed up in this game as much as any, is the teams that didn't play their stars in the preseason didn't look good early at, or in like the Rams case for the entire game. Yeah. We talked about that a lot last week yeah. with, the, with the Bengals O-line so in particular. It was, yeah, so I thought that, you know, one week ago we said, I think this is a good time to play the Bengals. Absolutely was. You know, I mean, Burrow doesn't look like that. Um, nine out of ten times, and if you played them next week, I bet they'll look a lot better. But you're right. I mean, the energy the defense brought and the aggression and the plays they made, very encouraging. Um, you know, I, I thought pass protection wasn't bad. I mean, I don't have high hopes for the offense in general, but there was a lot of good. So I guess I'm half full on it, you know. I mean, I would have liked to see more from the offense. I would have liked the defense put them in such good shape. And the Bengals lost it at least as much as the Steelers won it, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
kind of in the half full camp, although I admitted a minute ago I'm, I'm kind of in yeah, and out. But, I, 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 I overthink it at times. But what keeps bringing me back to, uh, yeah, all things considered, this is a great thing, is they won a division game. Yeah. They won a road game. Right. They won a division road game against the team that won the division and won the conference last year. Yeah, like of all their nine road games, they have nine, not eight yeah. this year. That one looked as hard as any. Of all their division games, that one's probably as hard as any, except for maybe in Baltimore. And you get a win for both. So, and you learn some things and, you know, go from there. But um, I think I am more half full because I thought they were in trouble. Although, I, we said a week ago that, you know, the, the timing was good. So you take the W and run with it. Uh, now let's look ahead to New England today, Thursday, the second day of real practice. And actually yesterday was just uh, as Najee Harris categorized it, a walkthrough. Okay. I think that was probably in reference to it or deference, I should say, to a defense that had 94 snaps worth of football uh, played. It's unbelievable, right. And uh, really held up well. I mean, gave up a lot of yards, not many points. and some, I don't know why more people aren't talking about that. Some I incredible mean, uh, clutch uh, stands and stops. Oh. Uh, but I want to go back to something you said yeah. a minute ago, the energy. Because yeah. I yeah. thought that was absolutely off the charts. And, you know, we can talk about the sacks. Everybody saw those and mm -hmm. the picks and the big plays. But a couple of things that I noticed uh, when I was watching the tape, uh, reviewing the game for a second time, early in the fourth quarter, Cam Hayward, who rushed the passer all day. Right. All right there's a there's a third and 14. The Bengals are deep in their own end, and they ran a little dump to uh, Samaje Pirine. Hayward rushed the passer, turned around, and chased the ball. Mm -hmm. Now, he didn't get Late there. in the game, yeah. He didn't get there, but he got close. Arthur yeah. Millette made the tackle about four or five yards short of the sticks. And there was another instance where there was a pass defense at the line of scrimmage, and the ball popped up in the air and fell down and bounced around. Mm -hmm. Hayward turned around and chased the bouncing ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of coaches say, hey, if that thing's on the ground, pick it up. Yeah. You never know, right? But this is the this guy's an all-pro, and he had oh, a sack and a fumble around, recovery. Yeah, right. He's taking zero plays off, and he's playing – Every play to the whistle, uh, and he was he was not alone. And he was not alone. I mean, there was eleven guys hustling. I didn't see anybody jogging on defense ever. They kept bringing him in in like hockey lines on defense. You know, <laughs> using the, that defensive front, keeping him fresh. I commended him for that. You know, Tomlin didn't know this thing was going to go five quarters. You know, but they were still rotating guys early, and it speaks to the depth and the trust of those guys. And, and I remember it was a while ago. I mean, Cam was young, or even when Tuit was young. And Coach Mitchell was the defensive line coach. And I was shocked in practice how much he stressed those big guys chasing down the ball. And that builds over time. You know, Cam's going to pass it down. And, you know, this just didn't happen overnight. They used to do a drill out there. I didn't see it this year. But uh, they would take all the defense to an extra field or an adjacent field. Uh, maybe they're doing special teams yeah, or yeah. practice was over or something. And they would – they would all line up on one side of the field, and then they would throw the ball sideways to one guy standing, you know, like, on the other side on the other sideline. Yeah. And the entirety of the defense would chase that guy, chase and he, he would start just jogging ah, down. Right, right, right. And they, no, they would be screaming, and <laughs> I mean, but they did it and did it, and just that mentality. Yeah. It was really impressive, and how it builds conditioning and yeah, it builds good habits. Right. How hard they hit. Yeah. And to be able to buck up. Uh, Joe Mixon pops a 31-yard run mm -hmm. on fourth and one 
and they've got the ball inside your five-yard line, and they push them back. There's yeah. penalties that give them a new set of downs inside the red zone. They push them back or hold the line. And, yeah, they gave up the score late, but, boy, Bengals had to really work for it. Oh. Uh, not many things, if any, that you can complain about on the defense. Uh, no. The 31-yard run on fourth and one, that happens. I you're on the play here on the field for that yeah. many plays. You're going to allow a big run or two. Three guys got blocked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Miles Jack got blocked. Larry Ogunjobi got, got blocked, and I uh, forget who the third one was. But mm-hmm. uh, Bengals made a play. Yeah, uh, and I wrote about 1,500 words on this the other day about how impressive it is to sustain high level defense in today's NFL. And one thing I got into in that article is. I very much believe fourth quarter defense is dead and overtime defense is extinct. You know, like offensive coordinators figure you out. Yeah, fatigue hits a defense much more than an offense. And sure, they weren't as good in the fourth quarter in the in the fifth quarter as the first. But no defenses are ever in this yeah. league anymore. I and mean, even in the yeah. overtime, they came up with the negative and they still play. Made plays. Uh, yeah. Arthur Millette with the sack strip and yep. then the fumble. That did you know that rule by the way? Which what's that? Well, the guy picked the ball up and ran it. And I, I thought it originally, and I wasn't yeah. sure. I was, I was sitting there myself, going, "Isn't that the fumble ruski type of deal?" The I'm, holy roller, right. holy the, roller. I'm sorry, the right. Raiders thing. Yeah. yeah, I I I knew it as well. It was interesting. The two guys on TV were talking about what a heads up play. I think it was P Ryan again that. Okay. Oh, he picked up the fumble and ran him in the field goal. But no, he <laughs> did not. Allowed, yeah. But uh, yeah, and and the variety of packages, the number of people they had involved. I think it was Very 17 so. guys. Played uh, 28 or more percent of the defensive snaps. Yeah, right. Uh, they needed s- it. You saw a lot of different stuff in the secondary, particularly after, mm-hmm. well, before uh, Levi Wallace went out. Uh, then you lose T.J. Watt, as you alluded. Um, and one thing about the secondary I wanted to talk about earlier is you saw the pass rush early, but the secondary was really driving on the football. And not only just collisions after the catch, but, you know, they weren't just coming up and, and and tackling. They were driving on the ball on the air with great aggression, and it worked out phenomenally. Yeah, they got their hands on I thought one yeah. of the best plays of the game was Cam Sutton's interception that got, got called, called back, back for yeah. holding because it was holding. He was holding the guy with one hand, and he picked it off with the other. <laughs> right, I mean, it was right. great play. He, that's phenomenal. They right. should have said, you know, that's a penalty, but it was pretty cool, so we're going to let it stand <laughs> first down. <laughs> Let's go, yeah. Uh, so they get it done, and uh, I think there's reason to believe they can be pretty good, but how good without T.J. Watt? Yeah, I mean, I think that's problematic, of course. I mean, uh, the Bulls without Jordan. I mean, like, I mean, he's a, a, a rare player. Um, I do think they're in much, much better shape now than they would have been a couple weeks ago, you know, before the Reed trade. And I even think picking up Jones has some value. I mean, I thought he was better than the – the tacos and Tuscas of the world as your fourth outside linebacker. I honestly don't know much about the guy they picked up today, but I don't think he's a factor in a whole heck of a lot. That would be David Anini. Yeah, I wasn't even sure how to pronounce it. That's why out I of Houston, uh, six foot three, two hundred forty nine pounds, undrafted. Went to training camp with Tennessee. Cut was on their practice squad. Mm-hmm. Must now, have had good preseason. Now today. he's on. Oh, he had a phenomenal preseason. Okay. Uh, both in uh, just reading up on him a little bit. Uh, you know how the Steelers fans have gotten really excited over the likes of Tuzar Skipper and, and sure, some of they these all think people. The next James Harrison, right? Apparently, yeah. he was there. Tuzar Skipper, version. okay. Uh, but he's no here. No pedigree, but had a good preseason. He's here yeah. now. I I can tell the people listening. You and I and uh, our buddy Dale Lawley, we did a ton of pre-draft stuff. Oh yeah. I did not have David Anini <laughs> on my list, <laughs> but he might be a find. I mean, if you're plucking him off someone's practice squad instead of bringing him up on your own. 
he did something well on tape as an NFL player in the preseason was my assumption, and sounds like that's the, the case. Uh, overcoming the Watt injury is going to be very difficult, but they don't need to – I mean, they're not going to do what they did against the Bengals any game this year anyway. You know, I mean, they, they need more from the offense. It needs to be more of a team effort. Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's going to be like Tyson Alualo last year. It's not going to be the Jenga piece that brings the whole thing no. crashing down. In part because they have Miles Jack this year, they have Alualo mm-hmm. back, they have Larry Ogunjobi, mm-hmm. they got better depth and and performance in the defensive backfield. They're just a better defense. There's a better defense all the way around. No so doubt. Um, and also, more options, you know. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, Mike Tomlin talking about T.J. Watt not having him back on Tuesday, and we did not hear next man up. What we heard was, and I quote. When you lose a guy like him, it's not about the guys that occupy his position of left outside linebacker. It's how we redistribute our responsibilities collectively to produce the collective outcome that we desire. And that immediately that immediately got me thinking, all right, we've talked a lot on these programs and other type programming mm-hmm. uh, that with Brian Flores in town, with Terrell Austin as the new defensive sure. coordinator, you have a new defensive brain trust here. I think we're going to see a little bit of scheming to uh, compensate for T.J. Watt's loss, other than to instead of just throwing Malik Reed out there and saying, okay, right. you're next. See, what's really interesting to me, and I'm thinking the same way you are, is these next two games, you have two games in four days, you know, go, going to Cleveland in, in week three if people aren't familiar, is nothing like playing the Bengals. You know, the Bengals are going to be in three wide all the time, shotgun, airing it out, what do we do about Chase, Higgins, et cetera. These teams are going to be – Power football, a lot of tight ends on the field. They're going to run at you and run at you. And that's will go too tight all the time and do those toss sweeps. Of course, and, yeah. of course. So you have a bunch of D linemen that are, you know, really good players that we just saw. Two, you know, two hockey lines worth of big dudes. You're a little light on the edges of the you know, quote outside linebackers. And while I just talked up Reed, I like him. I don't want. Chubb and the Patriots and Hunt and all those guys running straight at him play after play. He's a little light in the pants and, you know, maybe you put some beef out there. And, I, I think know. something's coming. Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite sure what, but right, I, right. I don't think they're just going to take this line down and say, okay, we'll just move uh, we'll forward. Just put I, someone in there. Right. It's almost similar to the way they approached their offensive game plan, I thought clearly they were not going to let Trubisky take five and seven step drops and hold the ball and get killed right? because they were worried about protection. They were going to get the ball out quick. They were going to roll them out when, when they could, or they were going to tell them, hey, first sign of trouble, get Fucking it out run, or right. get yourself out of there. No negative plays. One right. sack, and that was when he got out on the wing and just didn't really know what to do, and mm-hmm. he ended up stepping out of bounds. But uh, for all the problems in the run game, the pass pro was pretty good. It was. I think that was one of the underreported issues of the you know or aspects of the offense was that's not a bad pass rush. No, you know, it's a very good one. Players and uh, I thought they held up well. The run blocking is problematic, and the whole run game's problematic. The the drop back passing game isn't there yet, but I did think the protection is a lot better. I bet than a lot of our listeners realize. Some good news uh, off the participation report today. Najee Harris upgraded to full participant. Levi Wallace upgraded to full participant. Robert Spillane, excuse me, full participant for the second straight day. Mason Cole limited again with his ankle, but he told a couple of us afterward Mm -hmm. he expects to play on Sunday, and Cam Hayward had the day off. A couple of developments in New England, nothing major, but uh, worth noting, quarterback Mac Jones, illness. Yeah, Uh, right. I don't think it's COVID. Right. But 
Supposedly it was a stomach thing from what I've read, but who knows? It's a day of uh, prep that he missed, and he's a, sec- right. a second-year guy who's early in his second year. He and, can, he and they can, made a lot of changes in that offense, you can, know, just schematically and things like that. And it's been a disaster up to this point. He can use all the reps he can get. Yeah. Uh, limited for the second consecutive day, linebacker Juwan Bentley, number eight, with a toe injury. He's one of their key guys. Yeah, he's important for them. He's a uh, thumper. And also uh, left tackle Trent Brown, ankle uh, was added to the Pats' participation report mm. as limited. And safety Adrian Phillips, ribs, limited for the second straight day. He got hurt late in the first half of New England's 20-7 okay. loss to Miami on Sunday. He, they play him in the slot. They play he him all over. Stuff, yeah. You know, there are secondary moving parts, chess pieces Big all time. over. Yeah. Uh, that's Phillips is a key guy for them, as is Bentley on defense. So yeah. uh, stay tuned on that. Uh, maybe all these guys play, but maybe they're not mm-hmm. – uh, you, know, you mentioned capable. Trent Brown. I didn't realize he was on there until just now. He's like the biggest tackle in the league and not exactly the most fleet of foot guy to begin with. If he's got an ankle, that's something to note. Got a lot more uh, to get to tonight. Uh, when we come back, we'll be joined by uh, the third member of our Steelers preview team, Merrill Hodge. Uh, with Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. We're going to be with you tonight until 8 o'clock right here on Steelers Preview on your Steelers flagship, 102.5. D-V-E. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you tonight on the preview until 8 o'clock. We're getting ready for the Steelers and the Patriots, the home opener in 2022. Time now to welcome to the program the third member of our team and our power back, our feature back. Factor back. Factor back. Merrill Hodge. Merrill, uh, how are you and where are you? Because you live such an exciting <laughs> life. I, I think of you sometimes and I, I picture you walking through the woods, weapon in one hand, phone in the other, looking for a bear, looking at some tape, looking for a deer, looking at some tape. What's going on? That'll, that'll actually be me next week in the uh, Gila Mountains of New Mexico on a big elk hunt. You will find me in the Gila Mountains. Um, but I'm actually in Pittsburgh. I was just up in Nemecolin. Just got back from Los Angeles, and uh, I'm sitting here brushing up on some tape. So <laughs> you caught me at a perfect time. <laughs> Absolutely uh, what we try to do every week. Uh, Matt and I were talking about the, the heroic effort of the defense. In addition to playing well, they played hard and with passion and fire. Yeah. 
and all that. But uh, I wanted to get your impressions of Mitch Trubisky because I think there's a lot of ways you can look at that uh, opener in Cincinnati. Uh, he did not uh, make the huge mistakes, and he really helped win the game for him at the end with a couple of strikes in OT. But, uh, boy, there wasn't much happening until then. Uh, is a winning performance good enough for a quarterback, or does he have, have some major improving to do? Well, listen, um, first of all, at the end of the day, that's what matters. You know, in, those, uh, in fact, it's been an area, actually, that – Mitchell's probably has not done well for, from college into the NFL. Like in college, some of, let's go back to when he was in college. Coming out of college, here was his his real issues. He was an inconsistent passer. He struggled in critical downs, um, and those things transitioned to the NFL, and that's really what ended up driving him out of out of Chicago. Um, you know, um, and and making making throws where you don't even give your your wide receiver a chance, which there was about, you know, four or five throws that he did that in the game where, you know, I just, nobody's going to be always a spot on, but you at least have to keep the ball in the park and give your guy a shot. I mean, Andre Johnson's, um, 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 the one catch, the left-handed catch. I mean, give your guy a chance. Um, you know, and, Sometimes you threw it out of, out of the park where, like, nobody had a chance, not even a chance for an interception. So, like, those type of things, he's got to get better. Now, was it all him? No. I mean, I'll tell you this. I just, I just got done watching him again. They didn't do a very good job, um, and I'm talking about the receiving core, is getting open during the unmanned coverage. I'm telling you, they really struggled. I mean, there's not a lot of places for him to go with the ball. Um, you know, and you can't put that on him. His job is to throw it. His job is not to get open. And there were guys that just weren't – nobody's getting open in man coverage. In fact, you see this tape, you're like, I'd play more man than I would play zone right now until they can prove to me they can get open. And you couple with the times that they were playing man, um, those throws I just talked about, those are the type of throws that Mitchell, Mitch made. You know, they were not even in the ballpark. So, like, this is what teams do. They start looking, hmm, they don't play well against man. Nobody gets separation. Nobody's really getting open. A quarterback really doesn't make accurate enough throws consistently. Now he'll make some throws, but you still got to be consistent, you know. Um, and consistent in the NFL is like you're 65, 70 percent in those categories. You can't be 50. 50 is high school, 50 is college. That just doesn't exist in the NFL. So, you know, um, so I, I would expect actually I would expect the Patriots to do a lot of that. You know, Bill Belichick is good. I mean, I've watched him and studied him for a long time. He changes their everything, uh, everything up from week to week. Um, he'll look at this team and he's going to stretch their offensive line, and he's probably going to stretch the receivers and make your quarterback make really tight, tight throws. Um, I would see that. I would expect that more out of this group than maybe I saw than he than he did last week against Miami. It makes perfect sense, Merrill, and I think you're dead on. And I'm sure you agree that some semblance of a traditional running game would go a long way too. And where's the, where are you seeing the problems with that? I mean, I, I don't think we can blame the backs, well, you know, the, the blocking. No. Just isn't there, you know, um, you know like here's, here's one of the problems. The poor offensive line, they get, if, if there's, if they're not running the football and they're missed blocks, they get blamed for it. Period. Mm-hmm. Now, the other component to a running game is your, your tight ends are, are critical. Your receivers are critical. I could give you, I could think of four or five runs off the top of my head that I saw in the first half that the tight ends are getting with, wide receivers are not touching anybody. 
So it's not just the offensive line is, is my point. Um, did they do a very good job? Um, no, they, they didn't. Uh, you know, they, they struggled. Um, but then there's the other element to this. It's that um, I think sometimes fans think, you know, and, and I think even and when I say fans, I'm including myself, you know, that you forget about the other guys are pretty good too. <laughs> you know, I mean, those guys are NFL players. And I'll tell you this, there was a play, um, DJ Reader, they're number 98. I'm going to tell you this, that may not be a household name. People may not even know who he is. He's a good player. He's their defensive. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm telling you, I watched the play. I watched the play down in scoring territory. He, he tackles Najee Harris. Now, he's doubled. Now, what I'm telling you, it's about as good a double as you could possibly ever imagine initially. I can't remember who came down. If it was the guard of the attack. I think it was Okafer coming down. Because he's engaged with the guard, yes, I think it has to be. I think it has to be, and and he just, he basically jacks him up across the other side. I mean, he's going, his head's going to hit the ground. He's got one leg um, on the ground, another leg in the air. He looks like a pretzel when I stop. I actually send this play to Saul Wilcox, um, who's, <laughs> who's who's a buddy of mine. Because I, I was like, I just can't believe this play. In fact, I'd send it. I'll send it to you guys. I mean, and I stop it, and I'm like, because here's why it, it dragged my attention. It almost looked like a play that happened when uh, we were playing the Giants against Lawrence Taylor, John Jackson and I. John Jackson was engaged with him, and I gave him a chip. And, I, I mean, I'm telling you, his head was going to go hit the ground. I mean, we thought it was, like, the best chip. I mean, he's done. And somehow he, he puts his hand on the ground where his other leg keeps bounce and then jolts and hits Neil O'Donnell just as he throws the football. Hmm. <laughs> John Jackson and I walked back and go, oh, did we just – did that just happen? Well, in this in this play I'm talking about, um, the deep, uh, number eight, uh, DJ Ritter. I mean, Reader. I mean, oh my gosh! He so and then he ends up splitting the double team and, ca- and tackling Najee Harris. And I'm just telling you, like, I, I would tell my offensive lineman, I'm like, I'll be honest with you, I thought you had it done too, you know, and they were kind of <laughs> executed. I mean, I'm, so the, you know, those things happen too. Is my point. It's not just they didn't get the job done. Now that being said, they clearly have to do a much better job than they did against Cincinnati because you are exactly right. Um, Belichick is not going to take it easy on them. Nobody in the NFL is going to. They're going to stretch it and stretch it and keep stretching it um, and doing all kinds of things to make it harder on you to get your rhythm and get a system wrong. But if they do, you know, this is why, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but it, it bears repeating because it is a staple of the NFL. It's one of the most critical aspects of winning in the NFL consistently is you have to control the tempo. You have to control the environment, controlling the tempo. One of the very best ways and really the very best way uh, to give you um, all phases to your offense as options is you have to run the football. You have to be good at it. You have to dominate there because when you do, you now neutralize what they can do. And I think that's what I don't think people understand is when you run the football, you become dictate the dictator. You tell them, you know what, you can't stop with seven. You put, you got to put somebody else in the box. Once that happens, I have now handcuffed you with what you can do in coverage. Now I know what you're going to do. So I'm dictating the whole game. When I can't do that, well, then you've got all your cards. You're flexible. You can create everything that you want. You can, you, you can do creative blitzes. Your coverages can be. Um, extreme, exotic, and different, and create all kinds of problems for us. And uh, so there's no doubt that without that, they just, they're going to struggle offensively. Your quarterback is not 
just like an elite guy that can carry the football team and offset your deficiencies. I, I think he could be a very good compliment, but you got you got to support him. you got to help him, and you got to do that via the run game. Or, or he's going to struggle like he did uh, against Cincinnati. One of the things that uh, Trubisky talked about this week, Merrill, was some opening day stuff and some timing, and maybe he didn't get the ball out quick enough, or maybe the receivers didn't get to where they were supposed to be quick enough. Uh, there were a couple they just missed. Uh, one I'm thinking in particular early in the game, I think it was the second series, a deep sideline shot to uh, Miles Boykin, number 13, yeah. and it just, just yeah. missed, right? inches Barely. from completing. Yeah. Then there was another one later in the game to Pickens down the, the right sideline, and it looked to me like he was in the process of beating one-on-one, and Trubisky said he sensed an all-out blitz, and he threw that one away. And then he said, maybe I should have given him a chance, but he said he threw that one out of bounds so nobody would get it. Uh, does he have to accept a little bit more of the possibility that the ball might get intercepted and try a little harder to make a play? And, or do maybe his coaches have to accept that? I say you, want, you never and, know what the coaches and are telling him. Right. Do, do the Steelers, as an offensive entity, mm-hmm. have to go for it a little more and, to use a Mike Tomlinism, stop living in their turnover fears? Yeah, I, or personally, I don't like that mindset. As soon as you say you talk about that mindset, that, that to me is you surrender. Now, I'm saying you got to be smart with the ball. But listen, when somebody when somebody's going to try to sting, I mean, but you, you got to sting them. You can't, you can't have tape on it and go, oh, kid's going to throw out of bounds. We show him any type of pressure, he's going to throw out of bounds. That is not what you want to show him. I want to show him, you know what, <clears throat> because guess what? That defense wins. Defense wins. Let me add one other layer to this. You know, they, they – in the, the passing game, the only things that really worked were kind of the gadgets. You know, that, that to me is a little concerning. If that's the, your most successful stuff, that that's a concern. You ain't going to live on that. Shoot, they ran a screenplay and they ran it wrong. Obviously, line's going to the right, the tight end standing over there all by himself. <clears throat> now, I don't know who lined up wrong. I don't know who's, I can't tell you who's to blame. Could have been off the line because they went one way. Fryermuth is on the other side. Did he line up wrong? I don't know who, I can't tell you who did it wrong, but they did it wrong because. And Trubisky got – and at the end of the day, your quarterback has to know that anyway. If your tight end's on the wrong side of the field, get him on the other side. Don't snap it. You know your screen's going over there. How can you not check over there? So that being said, the first person I think about, the first person I think about who had that mindset was Bobby Brister. Ironically, on a Sunday night game in Cincinnati. I will never forget it. It's third and ten. Um, two, two quick stories on this because it's, it, it, they're classic. First time, you know, I got a couple of classic Bubby stories too, but we can't tell them on uh, the show. (laughs) Right. So these, so this is why I'm sharing them. You can tell these stories. This is why I said very seldom can you tell a story of Bubby Brister. These are two great stories of Bubby Brister. Um, Anyway, it's it's I believe it was third down. Yes, it was third down. It's third and ten. Play comes in. He calls timeout. Goes to the sideline. Comes back. You know, we got TV timeout. I go, what's happening? He goes, hey, no, he goes, no, no no offense. He goes, they they sent in the screen. You know, to me, it's in a screen. Personally, I want to get a first down. So I, I told him, we're going to do something else because I want to get the first down. <laughs> because <laughs> sometimes sometimes the screen is a, is a surrender play, right? Sure. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I go, what, you, what, you don't think I get the first down? Not, no offense to you. I'm just, I'm, I want to get a first down. So that, that was his mindset. <laughs> He's like, we, we ain't doing a first down. So same drive, same drive. <clears throat> we had to use the wristband. So he has six plays on his wristband because for moments like this, where they're just signaling the play, he's, we have one timeout left. It's not the opportunity. There's not the opportunistic time to call timeout where he does his mother timeout, you know, all fired up. 
comes over the huddle. <clears throat> he goes, pulls the wrist of the man, he goes over, over. He goes, how many plays you see on it? I said, six. And he goes, okay, well, those idiots are signaling seven into me. <laughs> he goes, and they talk about me being dumb. He goes, they're talking about, they, they, talk, they say Run I'm number dumb. Seven, huh? He goes, I, yeah, and, and he says, I got to call a timeout here, so I'm going to look like an idiot because it's not when you call a timeout. It's the stupidest time to call a timeout. But he kept giving the circle repeat. He goes, they kept giving me seven. So I had to go to the sideline. We don't have seven on here. We got six. So that's why I had to call a timeout because they kept giving him seven. <laughs> In this Cincinnati, okay, so how we got to this point is that mindset. I just don't – that mindset. I just, I don't understand that mindset. Um, shoot, I guess I would think a quarterback – I even – I play – I was our third down back forever. And I'm just telling you, yes, I wanted, I wanted them to blitz because if we pick it up, the, the real thought process is we're going to nail you. We're going to nail you. You do that, we're going to nail you. And, you. and you have to nail them to make them quit doing it. So yeah. I don't know. That's that's interesting. Uh, I just I, I would and throwing it out of bounds to me is is well that's that you, they win that, that that's a surrender. I just that's interesting that he he says stuff like that. I don't um um I don't I, I wouldn't see it like that. I just I see it differently. But you know, listen, maybe there's, there's some place you know and give him the benefit. I I know what place he's talking about because he he just now he listen he did the same thing on second down though. And there was no blitz. He threw it completely out of bounds. So, oh, that was the um, one. That was the Pickens on the other side to come back. Yeah, but he didn't. I don't think he was trying to throw that out of bounds. No, he just. I think I was just giving a chance. Bob Euchre just but, a but, bit but that's outside. My point. Right, but, but yeah, but that's my point. You have too many throws like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. to be consistent. That, that that's been his. That was his problem in college. I remember I was, I studied in college, and I was really perplexed by him because he was. You'd see some throw great throws, and then you'd see things that were just out of the park, and then he completely missed up, and he made a great throw. I'll tell you what, everything came down, boiled down to this. It was, they're playing South Carolina in North Carolina, at North Carolina. They're down by, I believe, four. They're on South Carolina's around 40-yard line. It's third and five, or third and six. It's around third and five. The slot the receiver they had was – actually, he went, he, he went in the NFL. He was, he was a very good player. I can't remember his dang name. So he was no – he wasn't chopped liver. Well, he absolutely destroys the defender. And, and they're playing off. They're playing off. He runs around on him and smokes him. And Trubisky hit the uh, third down sign. I mean, didn't even <laughs> keep it in the ballpark. Now, now this has been this has been going on. Okay, so I've, I've watched like I'm, I'm ten games into this, and I was like, okay, now here's a critical moment. This is this is where a big, that's this is a quarterback has to win this. These are the throws you have to make because if you can't make them in college, you're not going to make them in the NFL. I've never seen somebody who handled critical or struggled with critical situations or critical downs. Um, critical moments and have a consistent basis on it, not do the same thing in the NFL or struggle with it and not struggle in the NFL. And if you go look at his um, time in Chicago, that's where he would struggle. He struggled with the scoring territory, he struggled on critical downs. Um, he still made some plays. He's going to make some plays. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a pretty good athlete and, you know, he's going to make some plays. It's just that consistent fact, consistency factor that he has to try to get over that hurdle. You know, and sometimes hoping in, in Buffalo, you you know, sometimes when you sit, you know, you can really, you know, you can revamp yourself and and, re, and look at things differently. And, and as long as you worked on those things, I don't know what he did when he was in Buffalo. I can't speak to that. Uh, unless there is one game, you know, there were some of those flaws that I saw way back in college that existed in Chicago. Doesn't mean they're going to be there and stay there. You know, um, hopefully he's he'll do better at them. I'll give you an example at the end of the game. 
those are critical times. He made critical plays. Fantastic. And at the end of the day, yeah. right. And at the end of the day, everything I just said was irrelevant uh, based on that game because he was able to offset it when he had that chance. And, and I guess, you have to give him that credit. I guess what I'm wondering there, Merrill, is the, the free plays, the one we're talking about, The he escapes the sack from Hubbard, and then he rolls right. left, and then he somehow gets turned and gets his body square and fires it to Fryermuth right in front of Jesse Bates, who's a pretty good safety. Oh, yeah. And it ends up exactly. being a big play. And I'm wondering, okay, did he take a chance there because he knew it was a free play? 100%. Uh, like, and, and does he well, not, you would think. Does he you not would have to do that when he knows that there's a risk that maybe Jesse Bates I mean, he's, gets he's the ball? He's talented and he's capable. Yeah, but he can make the play. The mindset, yeah. But he's got to make the play. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you this. Only he knows that. Now, I will tell you this from – and I've studied since he came out of college, okay? I've, I've, I've watched all of those things. Like, even even some of the other problems, he gets stuck on things. You know, he doesn't process things as quickly as as I really think you need to. Well, so I shouldn't say think. I know you need to mm-hmm. in order to truly be a good, uh, an excellent quarterback in the NFL. He just sticks too long. And then what he does is he doesn't throw it sometimes. He runs with it. And it's quick to run. Neither one of them. Yeah, neither one of those are, are good. You know, like, you know, I know people go, well, the offense is not very good. Got to get somebody who's mobile. I'm like, okay, tell me the first chance, Super Bowl champion, you know, the quarterback ran herself to a championship. Does not exist. Will never exist. If Michael Vick can't do it, Jamar, Lamar Jackson can't do it. Um, shoot, Steve Young couldn't do it. It wasn't until Steve Young took everything that he did with his legs and put it into his arm, but they were our Super Bowl contender, period. Well, the more he ran, the more average they were. We'll see if he can get over it uh, against the Patriots or start getting over it. Merrill, uh, great stuff. You earned your money this week by recalling off the top of your head Mitch Trubisky college tape. I'm impressed. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you guys are the best, man. Go Steelers, go. And go Mitch Trubisky. I hope he plays better and the offensive line gets rolling. because he, yeah, this, this will be an interesting game with the Patriots. I mean, they, they have – I think they're they're not a very confident team right now, and they usually don't get Belichick like that very often. Great stuff, Merrill. We'll talk to you uh, next Wednesday before the Cleveland game. You got it, guys. See you, man. Merrill Hodge uh, bringing it as he always does. Uh, Matt and I have one more segment to go. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pesuda and Matt Williamson with you tonight till 8 o'clock, getting ready for the Steelers and the New England Patriots. Matt, we've hit the Steelers pretty hard offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Really uh, interesting stuff with Merrill there. Um, Mitch Trubisky's got to uh, pick it up. He does. I mean, it's one game, first game ever there. They had an early lead. I mean, who knows what the coaches were telling them in terms of turning it over and all that. I don't know who's dictating what he's doing, but they need more out of that position. Right. And I like what Merrill said, though. There's more than one game body of work with Mitch, though, to cite some of these, you know, the problems. Uh, New England coming to town and the Patriots 20 to 7 losers in Miami. And Bill Belichick came out of the. Out of that saying, well, it's basically an even game except for a couple of plays. Well, the, I didn't see it that way. The couple <laughs> plays he's talking about were disasters. Oh. Uh, the first one, uh, a sack fumble return for a walk-in touchdown mm-hmm. by our old buddy Melvin Ingram. And it was 
a five-man rush against a five-man offensive line, and the Dolphins apparently disguised their blitz pretty well because Trent Brown, the left tackle, he didn't get beat by the defensive back. He didn't block him. He says, yeah. His attention was inside, and the guy had a free run from mm-hmm. the blind side on Jones. Pow, ball comes out, touchdown. Then the one that everybody's talking about, fourth and seven for uh, Miami from the New England 42 with 24 seconds left in the first half, and they run a slant to uh, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And he catches Chases the house. Yeah. For some reason, they had Devin McCourty, their uh, – Center fielder. Who's about 35 years old and not real, not real fast anymore. Right? But still pretty good. Oh, he's and a good player. He's the quarterback savvy. of the defense. He's a Belichick favorite forever. He you played know, right. center field almost every exactly. snap. Exactly. And this one, he's up in the slot on the line of scrimmage. They run the slant, and they get it between Jalen Mills, uh, the one cornerback. He's also not very fast. And Juwan Brantley, who is a gamer, but... Mm-hmm. Not a speed demon linebacker either. This team in general has no speed. Yeah. And yeah, then... Both sides of the ball. Waddle catches it between those two guys, and Kyle Duggar's the center fielder. Mm-hmm. Who I love. I, that's a, one of my faves. But he's more physical. But than, he's a strong safety. Than gap to gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came up too slow, and Waddle was gone, and that's how it got from 3 nothing to 17 to nothing. And I'm here to tell you, with this New England offense— but that's all about team building. I yeah. mean, Miami's just adding speed left and right, and Bill's looking for four, seven corners that are smart. You know how I do these uh, preps for the previews? I watch the Steeler game, and I always tape the teams they're going to play. I have direct mm-hmm. TV. Right, right. And every once in a while, you get in these situations where, oh, there, there's a game with two opponents that they're going to play. Right, right, right. They're going to play New England, and then they're going to play Miami down the road. I came out of this study thinking, boy, Miami's pretty good. I, like, <laughs> I kept yeah. noticing Miami. Like, I'm really looking forward to Miami-Baltimore to see yeah. if they're really real. Not, you know, not I did, getting excited about New England. New se. England looks like an easy opponent. I mean, I I have all the respect in the world for Belichick. So do I, but I don't think this is not— um, They don't have a good roster. Yeah. I, I don't know who their good players are. I mean, I don't know who their stars are. Um, they are slow on both sides of the ball. Um, he's a phenomenal coach, but they, I don't know that the team building is on, you know, I, I have a lot of questions about the team building and the stuff they're doing on offense with these coordinators and changing their offensive scheme is not working out at all. I mean, all the guys that are practice, like you guys every day have said, man, I have not seen this offense look so abysmal from the start of camp up and through now. And at any point in the last 20 years. It has struggled. And the big reason why, or maybe one of the big reasons why, similar to what we saw with the Bengals, they've got four different guys in four different spots on their offensive line. Now, oh, right. they've all been with the team. A lot they, of shuffling. They didn't go out and get free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole Strange, their left guard, was the 29th He's overall a first pick. Yeah, first round pick. Out of Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. A little, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a jumping okay, competition. Bill, do you know? Do yeah. you really know what nobody else seems to? Uh, Trent Brown has moved from right tackle to left tackle. Isaiah Wynn has moved from left tackle to right tackle. He's also played some guard. Michael. Uh, yeah, a 1A. A 1A, thank you. I'm close at least. Uh, he's he, played everywhere on the line. Yeah, he's yeah. playing right guard now. And David Andrews is the only holdover at center. And they're incorporating outside zone. As the, oh, yeah. as the featured scheme. I mean, like, they were one of the heaviest fullback teams in the league last yeah. year. They only have a fullback on the roster. You know, like, they really are changing things. And Mac Jones was kind of drafted to be, of course, not Brady, but kind of a Brady clone, you know. And now they want him rolling out and doing athletic things. Like, I don't understand what they're doing. 
Belichick will have forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I have the utmost respect for him. But what they've done the last two or three years makes no sense to me. Yeah, they're just they're going to try to run the tosses and the outside zone mm-hmm. stuff. And they stop themselves with turnovers and penalties in Miami, but they're not built to score fast. They're not no. built to score from behind. If they fall behind, they're up against it. Defensively, uh, we talked about McCourty. The secondary, they come up and attack the run. and it, They do. They, as a defense, they attack the line of scrimmage. But as you said, there's a lack of speed, and there's nobody spectacular. Who are you afraid of? Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise. Right. Uh, Matt Junon's a pretty good player. But, I think he's their best player. Yeah. I, and, like, I like Bentley, but he's not no, right. all that. Uh, you know? I, I think Judon's a really good edge guy. But, I mean, he's – the Steelers have had 10 better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's fine. He's, he may probably go to Pro Bowl here and there. They have two young guys I think are going to be very good. Duggar, the safety we mentioned, and Barmore, the defensive tackle. Barmore kind of reminds me of, like, Tuit. You know, really athletic. But he's in his second year, and he only plays 60% of the snaps. Yeah. And then, in typical Belichick fashion, he's got a lot of versatile, tough guys that he trusts. But there's no one that can run or impact the game. And every cornerback's last name is Jones. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Jones <laughs> right. is uh, one of them, and Jalen Mills, the other one. Uh, you know, J.C. Jackson's playing for the Chargers tonight. Exactly, exactly. Um, 15 picks the last two years. And that's uh, a position they went out and you know paid money for Revis, paid money for Gilmore. Excuse me, 17 Jackson. picks the last two yeah, years. Yeah, they've always had a stud shutdown corner, yeah. and the rest of the secondary feeds off that. Ty Law, right. I mean, Revis, you know. Yeah, there's no, there's not a Teddy Bruschi. There's not, there's None. not a guy where you go, wow, look at this guy. Right. What are yeah. we going to do about him? I mean, I, I, I don't mean to be critical. I mean, yeah, I do. I think it's one of the worst rosters in the league. Yeah, I think I think New England's going to struggle, and I think this is a pretty winnable game. I do too for Pittsburgh, but uh, but Pittsburgh's going to have to do more. The lightning that struck in you Cincinnati, have some kind of running game, is going not in. going yeah. to strike again. Exactly. Uh, last thing you mentioned that the uh, you know the controversy or circus circus with the play calling. Uh, Joe Judge, offensive uh, assistant and quarterbacks coach, and uh, Matt Patricia. Senior football advisor, offensive line. They both had play sheets in Miami. They won't tell anybody who's calling the plays, but it, it's well, and they're both defensive guys. Yeah, and Judge is a special teamer, and Patricia's also the O line coach. So when he's calling plays, he's not Mark Andrews, the center you mentioned, is coaching the O line. It's crazy. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, I want to thank Merrill for joining us as he always does. Thanks to IU Jake for keeping us on the air, and thanks to you. For finding us, we're going to do this again next Wednesday. Programming note, uh, Matt and I will be coming to you Wednesday from 7 to 8 o'clock because the Steelers are in Cleveland on Thursday. Uh, That's going to do it for tonight's show. For Matt Williamson, um, Mike Persuda, you have been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Good night, everybody. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions 
Supply, NMLS 292230, Equal Housing Lender, federally insured by NCUA. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.